Ready? Hello and welcome to Rhythm and Pixels, a video game music podcast. My name is Rob Nichols. And I am really exhausted. What? <laughs> no, I'm exhausted. <laughs> You're still tired. I'm tired. I like um I like the idea that, that this is a continuation from last week. You're just like you still haven't slept. I have not slept. <laughs> I, it's like well, correction, so it's like I've tried and then things keep getting in the way. And then it's like no no time for bed, only time for action. Time for play. Time for work, baby. <laughs> you just jump out of bed. Time for action. Except you never went to bed, right? You no, know. I didn't. You like, just... you lay down for an hour. You have a weird dream. Mm-hmm. How when I only laid in bed for an hour, I don't know. But then you get you jump. Yeah. You got to do things. And what those things are yeah, is yeah. buying deep discounted board games. Yes. And, uh, Perfect. And trying to play more games than time will ever allow. <laughs> but I keep fitting it in. That's my, that's my co-host, Purnell, uh, by the way. I do what I can. You need to get that. <laughs> nah, it's okay. <laughs> but like, uh, it's it's been like a weird one. So like, I've been I've been buying a lot. I've been buying a lot of board games. So I try to keep up with those. Mm-hmm. My dad's birthday was recent, so we were celebrating that with him. Yeah, that's really nice. Um, I've been still obsessed with Baba Is You. It's uh, that's a that's a cool. It's pretty long, isn't it? Is it long? It's not that it's long. I mean, I think there's like 200 puzzles in it. But the main hiccup is just like. It's one of those games where every solution is simple, but you don't realize it. <laughs> I love that. And you overthink it, and then you yeah. walk away and come and it's like, oh, wow, it's that simple. Like I was thinking way too hard about how to move this thing over here. Yeah, and it's, That's it's great. glorious. That's great. That's so clever. Good good puzzle games. They um, like The idea of making the process of building those good puzzle games is mind-boggling to me. Like I could never do it. Yeah, I'm a solver, has, not a creator. Yeah, your brain has to do all sorts of crazy gymnastics to come to that like, how do you get to this? To say this like, to make a puzzle, to come, yeah. but go backwards on a puzzle is the that's the thing. Like, that's yeah. pretty much what you have to be able to do to create puzzles is be able to build one backwards. <laughs> like, all right, well, I know the solution, but how to make it difficult to get there? But um, in addition to that, I guess I, I'm officially not going to be able to put off a. Uh, Trails of Cold Steel anymore because mm. I got to review the first game in a few weeks. Oh, they're getting into the trails. Yeah, Trails of Cold Steel. So, spoilers, probably going to get a good review because it's Falcom and I already, already had it for like the Vita, just never got to play it. But now, oh yeah. And other than that, just been trying to make sense of life, looking for love, looking for work, looking for loved work, and... <laughs> Always, always eating delicious things. That's good. Yeah, you gotta love food, right? Yes. And yeah, one yeah, thing yeah. worth mentioning too, yeah. our regular listener slash friend Witchy from the Soulless Sanctuary, mm-hmm. she's been posting Persona slash Megaton art lately. And I that did. is the bee's knees, yes. baby. I did see some of that Megaton artwork. It's really good. I've been obsessed. really, really good. I've been obsessed. It's awesome. She's but really what good. have you been getting down with? What's what's been your cover? I know you were excited about the Shia game you played recently. Yes, um, yeah. So we played a Shia board game with uh, our friend Mike. Played that again. That was a lot of fun. And what else did I do, man? I was, it's been busy, man. Work has been real, real busy. Uh, my toilet broke, and so I tried to fix it, and then I broke it some more. <laughs> water everywhere, <laughs> no, I presume. Oh no, no. Well, yeah, it started to. And clean was, water, hopefully. Yes, it was. It was mostly clean. So I was able to. It wasn't coming from the sewer or anything. <laughs> oh, good. But, good. but I was trying to put it back together, and then the whole thing cracked. And I cut up my hand, and I was like, "All right, I'm done." You cut your hand on a toilet. Yeah, the the porcelain or whatever the the, the, oh, okay. the ceramic or whatever cracked, and it, and it cut me up. 
That was really annoying. <laughs> that doesn't sound. That sounds like the worst kind of puzzle. Yeah, no toilets, man. Let me tell you, toilets. No fun. <laughs> no. Oh, fun. the the plight of home ownership is when your oh, toilet shatters. Tell me about what else I've been up to. Last weekend. Last weekend I ran out. Oh, that's right. I had a horrible migraine, and then I had to work for a long time on Saturday because they're changing the carpets in my office. So I had to move some desks and stuff around, and you know doing the usual the huge the the huge and yeah that's about it and then um oh uh, before we get any further into anything else i want to say that if you're listening to this as uh, when the episode came out um this thursday which is march 28th is our live streamed episode for all of our patreon subscribers live 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 so if you are a Patreon subscriber or you want to be, go ahead to patreon.com slash rhythm and pixels and we'll be live streaming our episode at night, 7.30 p.m. Eastern on Patreon. And Quite if, five pectars bezekels moon time. And you know what that means. That means if you want, if you have any track suggestions, we're playing them. So send them to us. Yes. Even if you're not a, a subscriber, we want to get those suggestions. So yes. what, bombard us with suggestions. Yeah, maybe something that we haven't heard of before. Or maybe something we forgot that was real good. Oh my God, that was so weird. So fun, <laughs> fun fact over here. Uh, my headphones weren't on. Behind the curtain. Yes, that was a behind the curtain thing. The headphones were not on. And I didn't realize. I just assumed that Rob just didn't feel like playing the jingle this episode. Yeah. And I didn't want to ask him. You just call it a jingle. Now, I'm offended. No, it's the it's the theme jingle song. I spent a good two hours on this theme song. It's, hey, a good theme song is a jingle. Because yeah, it yeah. feels like a jingle. You uh, just leer it. Whistle it. All yeah. that stuff. Yeah, it's good. I know that. Oh, one last thing, too. That's so... I'm getting back in the challenging games again. I'm enjoying them. They're fun. Uh, I, I, I wanted to call this out because, like, Chris Murray loves to tease me about me playing difficult games. Like, what are you doing with this, all this tarp well, stuff? Last week, the week before, you were talking about how, like, the games that have been really interesting to you were ones that are, like, story-driven, kind of, like, not really action-packed, but, yeah. like, interesting ones. Are you, so are you still into that? Or, like, right now you're getting back into, like, the crazy hard stuff? I think it's it's been a bit of a nostalgic that's been putting me into some of the hard stuff. Like I booted mm-hmm. up Hard Corpse Uprising. Oh, I which saw that. Yeah, I haven't played in aside from last night. I haven't played it in what, years. That's um Daisuke Ishiwatari mm-hmm. and somebody else, right? No, I think it's just him. Just him. Oh my gosh, that's some heavy stuff. One of the best OSTs ever made, and the game is brutal. And having not played it in so long, I was getting kicked around like a stuffed rag doll. So I am back at it, trying to get my skills back up. Nice. And it feels good again. Like it, I like the trying. I like the growth. And I like that sense of you did it, champ. Yeah. You know, there's like a, there's room for both types of games. It's nice. It's nice when the um the progression is just finishing a level. It's not like oh I leveled up four times. It's like there is no leveling up on the screen. It's leveling up in your mind. Yeah, yeah. your reflexes got better. Your yeah. pattern recognition got better. And if there's something to be said about. Some games just not being able to be beaten by everybody. Mm. And it's weird because I was thinking about this. It's going to be a weird tangent, but it hit me where I was like, what is it that, you know, some people are like, I just want to relax when I play my game. Some people are like, no, I want a hard challenge when I play my game. And one thing that may not be true for everybody, but I think might be a factor in some cases, it's like a parallel to life. Some people are like breaking their back, constantly having to hit 
like switches that constantly change. Mm-hmm. They don't know what's right or what's wrong every day. They have to constantly make new decisions to keep their life flowing at the way the trajectory is going. So now that they're done their day, mm-hmm. they don't want the challenge. They want to be like, I'm going to mellow out. I want to play something simple and just go at it. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas in other cases, sometimes like, okay, my life is pretty much where it needs to be. It's <laughs> straightforward. I go to work. I hit my buttons. I talk to my people. I go home. But you're not really like burning out while you do it. Yeah, it's just more like yeah. a thing you do. Yeah, you're not, you haven't burned yourself out, so you come home and you're, like, you're ready for another challenge. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, okay, I did I, the work thing. Now time to challenge myself. I, I find it's the opposite, where if I had a challenging day, I like challenging games because it distracts me. Yes. Yeah. Like solving puzzles. Yeah, solving like, really hard puzzles. Like like playing Celeste, I found it really relaxing, even though it was so hard because it was like really challenging. It just distracted me from like everything else. And it was just a blast. All that's all that's in front of you is the goal. Yeah. By gum, you're going to get it. Yeah, get get to the goal. Mm-hmm. Get to the exit. Um, so this week, our topic is a composer focus. It's been about two months in the making. <laughs> well, more like two months ago, we chose it, had and then, the tracks, and then walked away. <laughs> and then walked away. Um, but no, we're looking at the works of Noriyuki Iwadare. This guy has done a large amount of work. Yes. So my main exposure to him was through his game arts catalog. Okay. Things like the Lunar series. Yes. That was so that yeah. and like the that and Grandia. That was like, oh, this is the guy. That was when he really started to really take off. So we'll get into a little bit of his history, but like we we'll we'll say right now he started in like the early the early, early nineties on the sixteen bit systems. And mm-hmm. then once he got into the C D based stuff, like yeah, like Lunar, like Grandia like he just fell in love with game music, but he had some strange beginning, not strange beginnings, but he had different beginnings. So I want to talk about that, but let's get into some, some music and maybe we'll talk about, we will get, we'll hear some, some similarities between some of the compositions. I think that'd be kind of cool, right? I can dig it. Yeah. Cause he's still composing. Um, just not as much for games. He's uh, taking a load off. He's doing a lot for anime and some other stuff too. So feels weird to hear. Like, I'm an anime composer. Like, no, you're not! Oh, he's done a lot for some uh, uh, dating simulation type stuff that will that has never come out here, and I can't find tracks for it. So <laughs> but I was looking for him. So, all right. So what's your first track that you want to go with? I'm going to do mine. I'm going to try to go in, like, uh, a chronological order. In my case, this is going to be difficult because <laughs> I, picked, I, wanted, I picked four tracks. I want to use them all, but I can't. So something's getting dropped. Oh, no. But I don't know. <laughs> But I guess I'll start with one from a series that I've always loved, and I mentioned it earlier on, and that is the game Grandia. Mm. It is the second battle theme from the game. It's composed by some dude. You might have heard of him. It's it's in the it's in the title of the show. <laughs> no, you got this. Jim Watson. <laughs> Jim Watson. What was what system was Grandia on? Was that PlayStation? It was on Saturn originally, then PlayStation got a port. Oh, that makes sense. Okay, great. So Battle Two from Grandia.
Welcome back. You're listening to Battle 2, the second battle theme from the game Grandia. <laughs> you were like, I swear, I swear there's another name for this track except for Battle 2. Nope. Nope. It's nope. just Battle 2. <laughs> it, yeah. This is how I've always remembered it. This is the name I've always known it as since mm-hmm. the 90s. And it's just, but there's a part of me that's like, there has to be a name, like Impending Chaos or, you know, Panic panic Brawl something. So, like, in a lot of RPGs, especially RPGs like of this era, there's usually, like, two battle themes. There's, like, the normal battle theme you hear a lot, and then there's another battle theme of, like, of an intense or serious battle, and then there's, like, a boss battle theme. So, would you say, like, this is, like, in that same idea where there's, like, a, there's a primary battle theme and this is, like, the second one? Oddly enough, no. No, really? This game did something a little different. I'm only saying that because this sounds really serious. Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It comes up when it's serious because the way this game worked was, a. Uh, it has a Chrono Trigger-esque style of battle where you can see the enemies on the screen. Okay, you come cool. across them, yeah, yeah. battle occurs. However, it does go into its own battle screen. Now, there, battle one happens whenever you walk up to an enemy and initiate combat. Normal enemies. Yeah. Battle two only occurs when the enemy surprises you and gets the initiative. Oh, so when the enemies walk into you and initiate the battle. Yeah, basically they walk, they catch you from behind. Oh, I like that. So this is the best battle track in the game to me. When I first heard it, I fell in love with it immediately. And here's where the here's the rub. Goes back to the earlier talk about Pernell who plays games harder with. (laughs) So due to liking this track so much. I let the enemy surprise me in every fight. Oh, that's so funny. Because I wanted this track over the normal track. I, I like that the music was so compelling that you changed the way you were playing the game just so that you could hear the music, this, this specific music more. Yes. That's cool. It's interesting to me, too, because this is much more... It doesn't sound like the like the classic Purnell track. It's, it's not super fast. It's really intense. It's not really melodic, either. It's just the... It's got like an 80s montage kind of feel to it. I think it's the synths that come in. It's just, I can't even explain why I like it. Maybe it's just the intensity of it all. Yeah, I like the intensity. But it's like, I like that too. Yeah, the the, uh, the intro is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the, uh, hold on. It's the, yeah, the drum fill you're talking about. The yes. Yeah, the drum fill is really good. This entire song is great. This entire game is mm-hmm. great. This Grandia... One, two, and three, and even extreme, they all kind of follow very different notes between mm-hmm. each other. They're not they're not linked at all. Um, but Grandia One's appeal that made it so good to me is that while it did eventually become the typical we gotta save the world from some alien or something, the initial aspect of the game is just you're a kid in a town who wants to go on an adventure. He wants mm-hmm. to see the world, and that's what he does. He leaves home, he says goodbye to his mother, he picks his best friend. And a girl they just met, and they leave town, and they just go to see the end of the world, see if they can find it, and they discover the world's bigger than they thought. Hmm. They actually have been living in a freaking encasement the entire time, <laughs> and there's more to the world than they knew. So they go to explore that, and they just keep learning new things and going to new villages, and it's just that entire experience of just like trying to camp out here. What'd you think of it? today? Was awesome. We had this cool fish, you know, <laughs> and it's just. Feels so good oh, to just man. be on an adventure that just feels more like a we're just having fun seeing what we want to see, yeah. and then when the, all the dire straits comes, like oh come on! But by that point, you almost want the kid to have that kind of thing. He's like, I'm an adventurer. I'm going on an adventure. Yeah, you know, someone needs me. Yeah, you're looking for it rather than it just constantly like happening to you, or it's like oh this 
this horrible thing. Like I'm the only one in the position to do it. Like you're looking for that. You're thing looking for it. I like exactly. that. Yeah, yeah. It's a different kind of take on that. That kind of adventure. It's just it's a gem of a game. And uh, this is only the second game arts game I played before. Oh, third, I guess, because Lunar One and Two are separate games. But um, I played Lunar One, then Lunar Two, then I played this. Mm. And my first exposure to this wasn't even the American version of the game. I played the Japanese version of the game. Really? And it wasn't even the original Japanese game. It was the bonus museum disc that you could have only gotten if you mailed in the UPC from the Japanese release <laughs> to Game Arts. And they mailed you this this game. Did you have like a translation to, to play it? Or? No, I, I met a guy back in college. The we gotta get him on the show someday too. Actually, okay. Joe from Mag. Yeah. Um, he when I met him, the guy was like, "Oh, Pernell, you love RPGs and video games. There's a guy that has way more than you. You'll <laughs> love him." And then I meet Joe, and he's the guy that has like all these crazy imports, including this one. Mm. And I'm like, "What the heck is this game?" He's like, "You check this out." And he showed me the battle system. I was like. Well, it's like it's a museum disc. You can only get it by mailing in a UPC uh, overseas, and yeah, it was just yeah, a hookup. Oh, it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. To me, that is one of the best bonus content things that have ever been done, by the way. We never even got it. That's it's a full bonus dungeon that only exists on this disc. Not even a part of the real game. That's amazing. Like you, like nowadays, like that kind of stuff can happen with like downloadable content. But, but it, it never does. But, and even then, it's never. Oh, oh, really? Really? Because in the dungeon, when you fight bosses and win and stuff, you are unlocking art for the game. Like the entire point of the dungeon is to unlock the bonus content oh, of the art disc and stuff. Oh, that's cool. So it's like, okay, I unlocked the art piece. I unlocked all the music. I unlock the director interviews and stuff like that. But you're playing through a dungeon. By playing stuff. through the dungeon. <laughs> it's awesome. And you're listening to the same music, right? Yeah. That's amazing. All right, so my first track, I'm going all the way back to 1991, which is a right around or is the beginning of his actual games career. Oh. Um, so he started in 1991. His breakthrough or like his, his the, main, the, the, the game that he's mainly known for is uh, Langrisser or uh, it's called like Warsong in Japan. Mm-hmm. But the, the track and the game that I love is Space Invaders 1990. Oh, he did for that? Yeah, Space Invaders 90 for the Sega Mega Drive. This is music for rounds 3, 8, and 15, and it is a serious, serious jam. And it's why I love what he did on the Sega Genesis. I'm ready to hear it. All right, so let's get into this. Space, <laughs> Space Invaders 90. Space Paranoid! This is rounds 3, 8, and 15 for Space Invaders 91. I'm sorry, not 1990. Space Invaders 91 
for the Sega Mega Drive and Sega Genesis, composed by Noriyuki Iwadare. This is like my favorite, favorite song on, 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 the, on the Genesis that he did. It, like, ever? That he's done? Oh, that he's oh, that done. He's done. Actually, it's, it's up there as one of my favorites all time. Wow. It's re- I, I find this so good. There's so many different movements to it. The bass is so heavy. It's so cool. Honestly, this track just seems more intense than I'd expect for a Space Invaders game. Yeah. Which makes me maybe ask you want to look up Space Invaders 90 because I've played Space Invaders Extreme, which was like one of the later ones on the DS. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. And of course, I played the original Space Invaders, but never heard of or played 90. So I guess this is like, it wasn't the usual aliens. It was like like satellite type aliens, a variety of different ones. Mm. And the ground wasn't flat. Like, oh, yeah, you're on the ground. You're not just like flying in you're space. You're flying in space. You're, just, you're, on the, you're, on, so you're on the ground. And this, 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 the, uh, the enemies are still kind of coming down from above, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like the ground isn't straight though anymore. So like, sometimes it slips mm. or slopes. So like the ship will go into like a crevice and shoot at an angle sometimes. Yeah. So you can like use that to your advantage. Well, this music makes me feel like it's faster too. Like the gameplay is probably a lot faster. That might be that may be possible, and I think I feel like Space Invaders always had the potential to be faster. Though my experience was always that the aliens got faster, but your ship did not. Yeah, still real slow. Need to be at a time when you when you like, especially on the uh, the Atari. When I used to play Space Invaders on the Atari, like it couldn't handle so many moving things on the screen, so you can only have one shot. Yeah, and you had to wait until it disappeared before you could shoot again. Centipede had that problem too, which yes. drove me nuts. Oh man, you got the centipede towards the bottom, and you miss you had to wait for it to go all the way up the top. And yeah. like, well, I get one more shot. Yes, like, I no. missed the shot. Yeah, yeah. Every shot becomes much more important. That, that kind of changes the uh, the strategy of the game. I really enjoy that. So, um, so Noriyuki Iwadare, um, he he was he's born in like 1964, so he's an older guy. Is that rain? We'll be right back after these messages. That's a that's a plane, not rain. Oh, that's just a loud plane. I don't know. Welcome back. Welcome to back. The show. All right. So he's uh, <laughs> so he's born in 1964. He's self-taught. Um, and then when he was in university, he joined a band playing, he composing some music and playing keyboards. Oh, wow. Um, and as he was doing that, his band, the band that he was in, got um, they got uh, a job doing arrangements for Sega, doing other video games. But for to him, it was like, whatever, it's just another job covering music. And then from there, he jumped off and started working on uh, Langrisser. He started working on um, Busterhawk Glaylancer. He worked on... Wait, is that the full title of the game? Busterhawk Glaylancer? Busterhawk Glaylancer. Oh, I knew the whole time was Glaylancer. Well, yeah, that's what it says on the box. No, I think, <laughs> no I'm pretty sure you're correct. But anyway, that kicked him off onto that. And then he started working on um, Lunar and stuff on, on, the, uh, on the Saturn and Grandia... And then he moved on to the PlayStation. But in that time, he got really involved in doing some uh, dating sim type games, and like with a lot more orchestrated, like violins and and more like heavy on the melody. Mm-hmm. And then that's where he really kind of got into. That's where he was most interested in working on. Um, so, but like but back, this is like way back in his early, early beginnings I'm, as a games composer. It's really interesting to me. I'm very glad that that's what got him into the system because it would have been bad if he just stuck with, oh, it's just work for me. Yeah. Whatever. But you guys I, have your game music. And then this would have been composed by like Koji Kondo, which for the record, I like Koji Kondo. But, but this is I a, feel like if his yeah. music was in the place <laughs> of where um, Iwadari's music was. Yeah. I don't know if I would have been liking it as much. There's like a there's like a sophistication to like this this song almost specifically. Like you could tell he's a he's a keyboard player and he's really focused on rhythm. He's really focused like on this uh, on this bass line and intentionally. Um, so 
and you imagine like he's in his late 20s when he composed this. I wonder how old he is now, actually. Well, we, we, can, we can work this out. Yeah, mathematically. <laughs> Through the power of numbers. <laughs> we'll be right back. Is that a plane? Uh, <laughs> one, uh... <laughs> according to these numbers, according to what we just calculated, he is this many years older. <laughs> oh, my God. No, yeah, he's, he's, he's like 52. Oh, I love him. I love when I come across like these composers who are like who like who pretty much grew up in the industry. Yeah, and now they're like getting to the point of being crotchety old men and women, but they're still cranking out the beats. Well, it's so different, right? So like the 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 the, 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 compo- the I'm like I don't know why I'm stuttering. The composers from the eight bit and sixteen bit era, a lot of them either had other musical backgrounds, or this was like their first job, right? Mm-hmm. But games and game music were still super young. I mean, the games industry is still young now, but it was like just starting then. Having music in games was still a new thing. And now, the composers, the new composers of new games, they've grown up playing video games. They've grown up listening to video game music, right? So they bring a whole new perspective to right. the engine. Yeah, they bring all, like, they're bringing all of this experience that they've had playing games and, and, and appreciating it as kids and as and, and growing up with it. Because now you can be like, I, was, I yeah. felt like I was influenced by Iwadar, nor you can yeah, Iwadar, exactly. Daisuke Ishiwadari, whereas these guys, when they started, it was like, I was influenced by that dripping water that was coming out of the drain pipe outside of my house, I just felt like I could make a sound out of that. Yeah, I was listening to um, an interview with Lena Rain, and she she talked about her her influence of Yoko Shimomura. And I'm like, of course. <laughs> that makes sense. So then it's like, what was Yoko Shimomura's influence? Um, Some band that had nothing to do with game music. <laughs> I think she had influences from all over. you know. But like again, it, but it wasn't influenced from game music. It was influenced from other other things primarily. That's what I mean. Like yeah, it yeah. wasn't game music specific. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. had to be because she was com- she was composing um, games for like um, people playing chess. She was composing music for uh, for Go. <laughs> that would be a trip. <laughs> Actually, I'm joking. I'm saying it, but you're probably serious knowing like, me. Like, uh, oh, she did compose for Go tournaments. That'd be interesting, right? Like, um, like like we have like music that goes with the game that you're playing but what if before video games like maybe like they they oh this is music for checkers and you go you put like the record on the turntable i would watch and you gotta play checkers i'll be blunt if sporting events had osd compositions yeah that weren't just like general typical license jock jams jock jams jams. what if it wasn't jock jams what if it what if it was what what if it was still jock jams the jock jams. <laughs> I was going to keep saying jock jams. Jock, 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 jock! <laughs> what if it was jock jams composed specifically for the game? That's what I mean. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like, oh, they're like, okay. Yes. So for this season, we got a new composer. She's going to write some tracks for the first, for the preseason. And we got another composer that's doing tracks for the playoffs. And mm. da, da, da. and they're like, okay, now like, every run is like, <laughs> it's like, whoa, this is, this is intense. Yeah, okay. So in, in the third quarter... If they're up by 10 points, you play this track. Yes. Right? <laughs> and it becomes be- like adaptive music like during a basketball game. It would be intriguing. You know what? Maybe that's why the movie Space Jam is brilliant. Because it's a sport and the music is composed for the sport. Right. Car- cartoons in space playing basketball. That was a great movie. With Michael Jordan. Jordan. Michael Jordan. The main. I-, I-, I called it brilliant. No, I'm calling it Michael Jordan. You're calling it okay. Pretty good. It's adequate at <laughs> best. Great. Okay. Um, Actually, right, so don't kill me, people. I love Space Jam. Yeah, we don't love basketball, but we love Space Jam. But, but, oh man, get some Looney Tunes in there. Mm-hmm. I'll watch that. Watch the heck out. Of <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I think we've come to accept that Looney Tunes make everything better. Never went to the gym. 
Come on, let's jam, and welcome to the jam. It's the same oh. tempo for now. No, it's not. You're just trying to squeeze it in there for the sake of the reference. It doesn't work. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Which is like, uh, I'll take it for now. All right, what's your next track? All right, I'm a, I think this might be a good one to go with. I'm going to go with uh, a track from a game that, well, more so I didn't even know this existed until this episode picks. Um, it's from the game Otometius Excellent. Yes. Yeah. And it is stage five for a specific character named Starf. And the track title is called Thunderstorm. It's composed by Robert Clifton. Robert Clifton. That's a good name. That's an excellent name. But no, um, what's interesting is an Otomedius, Otom, Otomedius Excellent has like 20 different composers. Um, actually, uh, Jay Kaufman did some music on this. On this uh, actually, I'm yeah. going to get to that when we get back. Yeah, all right, yeah, all right. So this is Thunderstorm. The theme of who? No, it's the st- stage five. Stage but for the character Strauf. Starf? Strauf. I just wanted you to say Strauf. 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 That's a weird spelling of a name for a character. All right, stage five, Thunderstorm.
Welcome back. You're listening to Thunderstorm, the stage five theme for the character Strarf. I hate saying that name <laughs> from the game Otomadius Excellent, composed by Robert Terwilliger. <laughs> Noriyuki. Noriyuki. That's what I said. Terwilliger. Bob Clark. <laughs> Bob Clark. This is good. I, that that opening is so different from what it turns into. I wonder if there's like an introduction. Actually, because Otomadius is like a Gradius type game. Yeah, it's a weird spinoff. Similar to like how Parodius was. Right. But all the ships are actually like anime girls yeah. driving the ships, but they're kind of like fused with the ship. It's really bizarre yeah, weird looking. looking. But um but like the how in Gradius, like like you always start the stage in like kind of like an early section, usually in space, and then like you end up like somewhere else. Mm-hmm. That's probably what that is, where it's like the opening section where you're flying into the area. That makes sense. And actually. then and then the music changes. This is really good. I love the horn section. Now, here's where it's weird yeah. about this, and I didn't know this, un- again, until picking tracks for this episode. Mm-hmm. So I have Otomadius Excellent, and I've dabbled with it. Not too much, but I've played a bit of it. And I know of how the game works. However, I didn't stick with it long enough to dig into what happened after the game released. And what happened was it became a DLC extravaganza really tons of dlc including some stages that are free that i should probably download tonight we have we've talked about this i remember um there's so many all these extra stages come out with new music right no not quite oh though i think they do have new music (laughs) but what they ended up doing in addition to like just the normal stages they also did this which is i'm actually i'm I'm very few games i come across do this but i know it happens it's a practice but they released bgm packs and what the BGM packs were is they were compositions or sets of compositions specifically devoted to a character in the game. So, like, for example, you mentioned Jake Kaufman earlier. Right. Yeah. I believe Jake Kaufman's contribution was one of those DLC packs. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Also, yeah. this Noriyuki Iwadare, he did two compositions for this character's com- BGM pack. He did the final boss theme for her, and he also did... Uh, the stage five trick hmm. and i think they sold it for like six bucks he sold each bgm pack for six bucks a pack so you're paying six dollars for eight music tracks pretty good it is except for the fact <laughs> that you can't listen to it outside the it's game it's not like a download where you can like okay i got this i can put this like on my my phone or whatever or put it in my car like it's only for the game it's only for the <sighs> game and i don't know i mean sometimes it depends on how you look at it for the bang for your buck bit mm-hmm. but i mean it's, it's hard to gauge the value of music in that sense because, like, you can go out and buy a, a full OST for a game, which can have, like, 50, 60 tracks on it, mm-hmm. run you about 30 bucks, 40 bucks Japan time. I'm not sure what it's like these days. Back when I was buying, like, 30, 40 bucks for an OST. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but then they'll tell you, hey, you know, for these five tracks out of what could have been 50, we're charging you six. Like, it feels a little more like, you know, maybe I should do a little more. I don't know. Mm. But but at the end of the day, I think if you could have gotten the tracks in the game and out, I think I would have totally jumped on these BGM packs. But, or more specifically, I'd go back and buy them like today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but if, since they're but, only in the game, it's like, I don't yeah, know. I'm, I'm sure it was like all, again, released together as one enormous, it, it was released all together as one enormous um, uh, OST, uh, OST yeah. that you could buy. It was like five discs. Mm-hmm. It's insane. So much music. And honestly, I would like to get that, get my hands on that, because all the music in this game is pretty it's amazing. Solid. Yeah, yeah. So if you like what you're hearing, like look this up. 
look up the soundtrack. And it's, if you like Gradius and miss not having a new Gradius game in forever, <laughs> but somehow passed over Ultimatius Excellent, and it's one, not as good as Gradius. And when a whole lot of like anime cutscenes, check it out. <laughs> oh, stop! <laughs> it's it it, it this, uh, it's oh, not so the anime. full it's not the full gameplay, but it's got the spirit of it. Yeah, you know, it the, does. It does. Options and all that. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, like the little Option. things that follow you around. Mm-hmm. It's a good game. It's cool. Grace is always fun. All right, so I'm gonna play. My next track is from Mega Man X7 for the Sony PlayStation. Um, this is the two. Oh, this is for PlayStation Two. Yes, sir. Oh man. <laughs> it's like edit. Edit. Well, no, that's easy. You add a two at the end of that. <laughs> for the Sony PlayStation Two. Two. <laughs> Um, Mr. Black. This is the only... Yeah, it's like I edit my, my voice. All right, so this is the only track he composed on Mega Man X7. It's called Higher the Air. This is the Air Force stage for Mega Man X7 by Noriyuki Iwadare. is called Higher the Air from Mega Man X7 for the Sony PlayStation 2 composed by Noriyuki Iwadare. Um, yeah, this is a jam. <laughs> I just realized when you picked this track that I did not mention this track, this game, when there was a recently someone made a VGM podcast fans thread where it was like, name some bad games. Oh, that's And I right. drew a massive blank. Meanwhile, Mega Man X7 is just sitting up there in the corner flashing lights like a <laughs> So this is like not a, this is not a good Mega Man. Game? It is not a good Mega Man game. <laughs> it is terrible. This was like a 3D, like like it was it was 2D, but like it was 3D. It was 3D. Like there yeah. was there were levels where it was like a top down view, and you could like uh, run 360 degrees. Huh. Uh, it was a bad game. Yeah, um, but the you music what, is good. This is yeah, this is real good. As, again, this is a really long list of composers on this. A lot of guest composers on some of the tracks, and yeah, Noriyuki Iwadari is on the Air Force stage. I'm just trying to figure out what, why, why particularly would they want to hire this air? I mean, is it? 
Is I it? feel like it's um, like maybe it's like higher in the air, or like the air is higher, which it's like yeah, <laughs> maybe because I oh, know I heard the <laughs> right. title and I'm like, well, this candidate seems rather fluffy and light. We feel as though he'll bring a lot of he bring he brings an uplifting personality to the company. We'll have to hire this guy. That's a terrible <laughs> joke, but I that's what it. the title sounds like. Hire the air. Hire the air. Why? You know what? You're terrible at your job. I'd rather hire the air. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> Get out. Get a job, you schmuck. So again, this has got like the the cool like soaring synths from um, the Sega Genesis music. It's got kind of like a funky bass line that's coming off of that um, Space Invaders track. It's an interesting track to think of a Mega Man game being played too awesome. <laughs> I mean, the OSTs in the games are generally pretty diverse. Something about this right here, this synth section, where it's like, well, so smooth. It has yeah, like that reminds me, that, that's very Mega Man to me. Well, Mega Man X. I can see it. I know, yeah. like, when I think of Mega Man X, at least in the later games for sure, they, they were more rockish. Yeah, they, they got more on the rock side of things. There's some guitar on this, but again, it's just like, a, like jum, heavy guitar hits. And it's true. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's no it's no Magma Phoenix or whatever the heck that guitar <laughs> level was. Blaze Phoenix. A Blaze Heatnix. There it was. Which I got to come up with an excuse to get that track on the show sometime. Assuming I haven't already done it. But, yeah, I... It's interesting to think that he composed for a Mega Man game. Though. Yeah, right. He's done a little. He's run the gamut of like games. He's done RPGs. Yeah, he's done a lot of running RPGs. gun shooter. Apparently, mm-hmm. he's done space shooters. He's done puzzly space shooters. <laughs> he's a lot, a lot, yeah, a lot of different types of games. Um, he's he's definitely focused in on the RPGs and kind of the story-driven titles. That I feel like it gives him the. Um, more range to work with, you know, to, to compose different things for. Where these are like, okay, it's fast, you know, it's going to be a, just kind of kind of heavy. Bringing the heat. Yeah. I, I love the synthesizers in this track. So it's it's interesting to hear the kind of mix or like his moving away from like just a lot of synthesizers and music to more like orchestrated, more live instruments. What is your experience with Mega Man X games? I'm thinking All about right, this. Um, let me think. I did not play a Mega Man X game until 6 for the Sony PlayStation. Really? Yeah, that's the first one I played. I didn't like it because it was very hard. And I didn't know what I was doing. That sounds about right for um, X6 anyway. And then I didn't play it for a long time until I played X1, 2, and 3 on an emulator. And I loved the heck out of it. Yeah, they're, to me, at least that's, they that's, are that's the pretty best much, ones. And that's where I ended. But I played one. I played through one at least three times like in a row just to, to try to do all the extra stuff. Indeed. And then the second one I played through, I think towards the end, but then I didn't finish. And that's the same thing with 3. Uh, but uh, but no, they're fun. They're a lot of fun. Very um, hard on the thumbs. Frenetic. Yeah, because like you got to move fast. You got to hold the button to dash to bounce off of walls to grab onto this. So I feel like my thumbs are constantly like in weird positions. But it's interesting. Like I, it was a chat I had with a cam. You have enormous worm hands. recently. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I make I put them to work. But like uh, we were talking about these games yeah. and how the button layout goes now. Mega Man X. The SNES had the four-button face, and I always get the order of the button screwed up, so yeah, forgive yeah. me if I get it wrong, but it was like A's at the bottom, B's at the right. Um, No, the SNES was always like, it was Y, X, and then B, A. Oh, all right, so B was on the right, or A was on the right? A's on the right. Okay. Yeah. Why well, someone's going to be like, you're all wrong, but sure. let's go with that. Yeah. So let's just say we take that, that quadrant there. A's on the right, then B's at the bottom. Yes. And then Y's on the left, and X is at the top. Yes. I liked it where B was the jump. B was the jump. Which is at the bottom. The bottom, yeah. And then you can hit the Y button, 
to shoot or charge. So I would have my thumb Wait holding down. So down to down was jump. So the the down button. And then the up button was to shoot or charge. Yeah, so I could hold it down with the top of uh, my thumb and then like bring my thumb down to that, jump. That is you. That is that is Purnell genetics. Like that's your thumb, because my thumb can't reach that far. That well, means that means that and, and this is really horrible on a podcast, but I'm showing like I would have to hit the button down here with the bottom of your thumb in order to hit in order to, yeah the, the the very bottom of my thumb in order to hit the, the shoot button accurately with the top of my thumb. Yeah, like to but to me like that's the only way I can do it. Like so I can't play I, it any other I way. Everyone else had to do it the other way, where the shoot button was on the left button. Wait, yeah. what? So it's like <laughs> so jump, jump was on the bottom. Jumps on the bottom, and then guns on, on the, the left. left. Yes. Yeah, on the left. So that was just an easy flick over. Yes. Yeah, because now he, Cam was saying that that didn't work for him, and I'm like, no, it doesn't. Like, without that, the game falls apart <laughs> because you have to constantly charge your shots. Well, you have to constantly be dashing and what's running. What's cool is that like, there was, they added so many, like when, when the X-Series came out on the Super Nintendo, like they added a whole bunch of new concepts to, to, to platforming games that haven't been around before. Wall like, jumps were new at that time. Yeah, all brand new. So, th- so they had to have the button layout not just be ergonomical for everybody, but they had to be adaptable. So this is like one of the few Super Nintendo games that I can think of that had like a lot of you can customize a lot of the moves, mm-hmm. like you can customize all the buttons, the button layout, yeah, and you um, needed to, yeah, you had to, yeah, because everyone was gonna be different, and also because it was so new, everyone had to do something different, right? Mm-hmm. Wow, we're learning something. Honestly, we're learning all sorts of new things. I feel like this could trigger a I'm also massive drawing, argument, just drawing thing. wild conclusions all on my own. Well, that's part of the fun. <laughs> we're speculating. We weren't there when he designed these games. No, man, I, I didn't even and, play it when it came out. And right now, now I'm sort of slightly drawing a blank on whether or not this came out before uh, Super Metroid or not. Though, even if it did, not, I think it did personally. But even if it didn't, they wall jumps in this game work differently than they did in Super Metroid anyway. So I don't. I heard, feel well, I heard that wall jumping in Super Metroid is like the easiest thing, right? No, it's <laughs> god awful thing. <laughs> and saying, I hope you were joking. Yeah, that's, that's, I don't know anything about that game, so I'm just like wall jumping is terrible in that game. But um, yeah. So let's move on to your next track. I I I feel like one track's going to get left. Unless this ends up being our ending uh, track, I'm going to feel bad. But it's two good ones. All right. So if I have to shoot from the hip, I'm going to pick this one. Yeah, this is your third. So I'm going to go with this track from the game Growlancer 1, mm. and it is titled Removal, and the track is composed by Bridget Kirkhoff. <laughs> it's um, Growl Answer. You know, Growl Answer. <laughs> Every time I see that, I see the word growl. That's all I see. Actually, it might be for all I know, but to me, it'll always be Growlancer. <laughs> all right, let's listen.
Welcome back. You're listening to Removal from the game Grow Lancer for the PlayStation, composed by Jacqueline Shade. Mm. <laughs> That's a new one. We, so if you're listening to the show, if you could write down all of the names that Purnell says, we'll, we'll, make, we'll, we'll edit Noriyuki Iwadari's Wikipedia page. They <laughs> 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 just put a bunch of, like, also known as, like, a whole bunch of, um, of like, pen names. <laughs> A.K.A. Blastious Clay. <laughs> Oh, that's just clay. Um, this is cool. Again, I love the I love the cool like synthesizer like melodies and sounds, um, and, and the pace is really cool too. So you said we were saying this is in the Langrisser series? Not, oh, no, 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 it is not. It's not. It is not. It. Um, my my thought was that I don't. I need to look it up and determine if, it was, if they were both written by the same guy. But I do know that the character art was both done. They were done by a guy named like Satoshi Uish, Ureshihara or something like that. Mm. He did the character art for both games, the Grow Lancer series and the Langrisser series. And I believe Grow Lancer started right after Langrisser ended, as far as releases went. Oh, as far as the releases go. Such a really, so it was like a really interesting like timing setup there. Now, unfortunately, Noriyuki Iwadare only composed for the first Grow Lancer game. After that, it went to other people. And yes. we never actually got the first Grow Lancer in the States, to my recollection. Huh. We got our first Grow Lancer game was the Grow Lancer Collection that was, re- or sorry, Grow Lancer Generations that was released by Working Designs. It was their final game. Mm. And it came on the PS2 in like 2005 or four. And were these just like a straight like RPG style like thing? Or were they like a tactical game? Or like they're what, tactical, but they're interesting. And I honestly can't think of too many games that have done this, with the exception at best possibly mm. being like Ogre Battle. But the idea was that. Typically, in a tactical RPG, you have a grid or a space, and you'd say, "Move your guy," and you say, "Send him there." And yeah, you just some, mo- and he would just go. Yeah, it's almost like a like a like a like a board game almost, right? Yeah, you'd move your piece, then give him an action. What this game did, and what the series does, is when you say, "I want my guy to go here," yeah, he walks there. So it doesn't just send him there; he actually has to walk, and all the units are moving of their own accord. Based on how you set them to go. So, like, he's, you mean he's walking there, other things are still happening at the same time? Yes, other characters oh. are walking, your guys are walking, these guys are walking. So, very much like, um, like, like, uh, like Diablo, you know, or like those real time strategy type games? Yeah, it's yeah. kind of like that. It flows like a real time strategy game in the sense that the characters are actually moving. Good cool. call, Star- Starcraft. That's Starcraft, Starcraft. Starcraft, yeah, exactly. every unit was an individual. Interesting. Well, I guess they are, but people always manipulate like in waves of characters. Yeah, yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, you move this. Group of fifty things to do. I don't know. I don't know. St- I don't know. Star Lancer. <laughs> Star Lancer. Orby's probably listening to this. Like that would kill all of you. But um, nah, in this game, you're moving. I mean, obviously, if you want to send three guys to go work together, you could. Yeah, but yeah. every guy is on their own entity. And you just say, send a guy up to the north to take on this unit, this force before it gets further south. And you're right. hoping he can walk there faster than <laughs> they can walk there. And of course, you also you say, I want you to do this attack. And when you give them an attack, there's like a timer gauge that determines how long it takes them to do a move. Okay. So there's like, a lot oh, of coordinating that has to take yeah, place. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that's a lot of tactical information you have to like manage. But I like it. I huh. like it a lot. And cool. you're not necessarily locked into it. Let's say you send a guy walking north yeah. and an enemy comes out of nowhere from the west and you want to just change direction. You can go click the guy and say, no, stop going there. Go here instead. And he but he's will already been walking that direction. Yeah, <laughs> so if you don't stop, like, he'll yeah, keep going. Interesting. It's okay. a great series. Cool. 
So were you, were you you weren't able to play the first one then because it was never released here, or did you have like a little little never played it? Never shady hookup on this one. None, unfortunately. <laughs> though I have seen the art for it. Like I've I got into the art long before I got to play Girl Lancer personally. Right. Um, I got Girl Lancer Generations on the PS4, PS2, and then I did buy Girl Lancer Wayfarer of Time for the mm. PSP. When that came out and played like three quarters of the way through it, a new record. For yeah, me. I feel like a lot of RPGs got re-released on the PSP. Is that true? I feel oh, like in I, Japan, a number of them actually yeah, did. Just based on like the music that we played. And you're like, this was also on the PSP, or that's how I played it. And I was like, oh wow. Yeah, there were a number of re-releases that hit the PSP. Mm-hmm. Um, just I guess partly because double dipping is all it's all the rage, but also because sometimes I thought of saying, hey, you can play this on the go. Is appealing enough to just say this alone is enough for a reason to re-release? Also, Heck, the Switch is pulling that off. Yeah. Gangbusters right now. I remember the, the PSP, the, uh, the PlayStation Portable, right? Yeah, it was one of the first games, I, first handhelds I saw that had like a pause button where you could actually like kind of like put the put the game into sleep mode. Yes, and it was that, very handy. Yeah, very handy. So it would blow power, but and not exactly save your game, but the state that it was in. So when you powered it back on, it was. Right back where you left off. You're not waiting for that save point outside of a dungeon. No, unfortunately, PSP. I wish Sony would get off in the horn and start releasing some batteries again. They never will, but because uh, right now my current PSP, it wasn't like I double A's. It was like a it had a battery pack uh, that you can take the back off and put a new one in, but you can't go out and just buy a Sony official one anymore. And now my thing won't even stay charged for very long because oh, like, the battery's like a dud. So it's, now it's just a PlayStation small, not a portable. Pretty much, I can't. <laughs> exactly. It's portable if you're near an outlet. Yeah, like I mean, like I can. I feel like if I plugged it in. And played it regularly here and there. It might be able to hold a charge, but if I if I plug it in, charge it, and let it sit for like two days, it's dead. I remember seeing you play Lumines on that thing at, at the old job. Oh, you do remember yeah, that? Yeah, I remember that. I played one match for a week. <laughs> like I boot it up, play it for an hour or two, yeah. then put it to sleep, come back, start it again, and just keep doing it. Which is also why I love Lumines. It's also why I'll never try to play it. Like competitively ever because <laughs> the game goes on forever. Forever, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can just keep, you can just keep playing, right? Yeah, yeah. As long as you get the rhythm down of like how yeah. to match the, how to try time the line drops and all, you'll never die. We should do more Lumines music on the show, or just Lumines in general. I would do that. That'd be fun, yeah. Just to get a Bach on the show. I don't think I ever did put that on mm. the favorite track from Lumines. Well, that might be in the cards then. So, all right. So my my last track, um, I have a bunch to choose from. I'm having a hard time, so I'm going with something. Way out of the way here. Way completely different. This is a game called Kim Kiss, which is a um, is a uh, um, dating sim sim. Dating I'm assuming it stars a woman named Kim. Probably. <laughs> I'm assuming she drinks coffee. She might drink coffee. I don't understand the coffee part, but there you have I it. I assume that she is a huge fan of Leonard Skinner. <laughs> <laughs> what else? What else? Well, she likes dresses, uh-huh. long walks on the beach, sure. Capricorns, uh-huh. and she's a big fan of boiled peanuts. There you go. You Cajun. Don't, you don't need to play the game anymore because you've spoiled it in a great <laughs> way. What's not to like? This is um, all I have on this one. Is, I know it's an ep- I know it's epilogue music. It's just track thirty one from the game Kim Kiss for the PlayStation Two by Noriyuki Iwadare. Oh yeah, and this is super. Super 90s sitcom music, so <laughs> get ready for that. Prepare yourself.
six feet tall. Hanging around and playing basketball. basketball. No, I don't. No, he don't. I just do things that make sense to <laughs> me. <laughs> I make. I like to cook good meals. I like to go out to the streets and help basketball. my friends. <laughs> I don't play that basketball. It's a game for people with coordination. I ain't got none of that. I like to hit them balls with the controller. Gonna get things done. Going for high scores in basket mode. Extra mode levels and danger. Basketball. To- <laughs> no, there's no basketball. I don't play that game. All right, this is a... This is actually the opening. I had the wrong track. This is track one, the opening from Kim Kiss for the PlayStation 2 composed by Noriyuki Iwadare. I <laughs> want to I wanna write a song to this and get the words right. Not, not, the, not the 90s sitcom about a reluctant basket, high school basketball player, <laughs> um, you know, uh, on the dating scene. High school, is, high school dating scene. This is so <laughs> weird. Like, he played it. I'm like, this is a TV theme song. Oh, this is a amazing. TV intro song. And he started, I just started singing it. <laughs> and I was on a certain key, and then he was like, "Try this." This is like the first time it was in. Pe- it was like it was a uh, spontaneous. Yeah. But then he was like, "You gotta remember those words and do it again." So I tried to do it again, but there was like one extra measure that he didn't account for. The first I didn't account for. The yeah, first you're like, time. no, 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 bring it back, bring it back, bring it back. Bring it back. Bring it back. I started <laughs> here, and it just. I just want to sit down All with right, this jingle and write a song. So, it could be done. Kim Kiss is about Kochi Ihara a high school student who just came back from summer vacation. He has never been kissed, and after returning to school, he decides to develop a romantic relationship with a certain girl during 30 days. So, Her name so, better be Kim. So he comes back from summer vacation, and he's like, look, like one month, one month. Make the sales so easy. No, that sounds rough, man. It's just, it sounds difficult. He comes, he comes back, he, goes, he comes back to school, and sees the girl, it's like, yo, yo. One month. <laughs> you and I want to date for a month. <laughs> well, I'm assuming the and whole game is like he has to get I'm her out. to like him first. <laughs> he has to go through all the motions of getting the girl. He has to he has to talk to her. He has to get to know her. Yeah. He has to get her to like him. And then ultimately get through all the stages to eventually get to the point where like we're dating and kissing all within 30 days. <laughs> I haven't been able to pull it off in 44 years, and this game is doing it in 30 days. Starring. Mitsuki Sijo, a wealthy girl from class 2B. Now, just go to the, Is there someone named Kim? Because if there isn't, the title doesn't make any sense. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't make any sense. Sorry. Who is Kim? I don't know. <laughs> I, I guess he's trying to. We know why oh, he's trying to kiss her. I know now. Oh, it's Kimmy Kiss. Kimmy Kisu, which means your kiss. Oh, mercy. Yeah, that makes more sense now, doesn't it? No, it doesn't. It's not, it's not my kiss. It's their kiss. Yeah. No, this makes sense. Anyway, no, but that jingle's awesome. Yeah, I'll say this music isn't as good without your singing. So I'm gonna turn this track down, <laughs> and we're gonna get into the part of the show we call the bonus round. To the bonus round. To the bonus round. Playing basketball. No, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> I love that so much. All right, the bonus round is the part of the show where we play covers and remixes based on our theme and Pernell. So something that. Actually, it's on this my is, list or something that you got. This is actually one that you suggested for me, and I'm going with it because I right. want to see what all the hubbubs right, are about. So this is from an album called "The Frets of Valmar" um, for Grandia Two music. M- music from Grandia Two, and it was actually put out by Magfest. Really, Magfest Eleven, and it was a, a disaster relief um, fundraiser for Japan. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, it's really cool. 
and it's just called Fight, which I saw. I think this is the the fight, the battle music, the fight music. I bet once I hear it, I'll know exactly where it came from. But it's got some great names on this track. You have Stemage, Danimal Cannon, Chunk Style, Chris Dugos, and Mike Willard. Just hearing Stemage already put me in oh, a position to yeah, hear Yeah, Stemage and Danimal Cannon. It's going to be some pretty awesome guitar work. So here we go.
Make it hot. Make it hot. I am glad that I did not have time to choose a track this episode <laughs> because I am glad that this was my stand-in. This is awesome. Yeah, that was um, fight. That that's battle music, right? Yeah, this was the first battle theme. There was like there was four battle themes in this game too. Mm-hmm. Grandia two and Grandia two. Yeah, and this is the very first battle theme that would typically play just in a basic fight. Mm. And, and it was, is a gym. That was from the Frets of Valmar, a um, disaster relief uh, fundraiser for Japan. I also like the name of that album, too. Because the Frets it, of Valmar. So, like, in the game, Grandia 2, if I remember correctly, you spent a lot of your time fighting body parts of this evil god, like the Heart of Valmar or <laughs> oh, the Horns of Valmar. Yeah, that sounds familiar, yeah. So this is the Frets of Valmar. That's cool. So that was on had Stemmage, Danimal Cannon, Chunk Style, Crystal Gloss, and Mike Willard. Very cool. And as I was saying to Rob earlier, for the the length of this actual normal track, there were a lot of measures there. Yeah, there's a lot of sections. I feel like um, with that many people working on it, they probably all had different ideas and, and different arrangements, and they kind of stuck them together. Um, but it worked really well. Yes, Super cool. Did. All right, so my track is from the official arranged album, but it's been kind of lost to time. Until so. today. So someone found a recording of it and got it up on YouTube, and I was really, I heard it, and I was like, there's got to be more of this, but I can't find it. So all I know is that I believe it's on the official arranged album. Obviously, the original is by Noriyuki Iwadari. He might have done the arrangement, but he might not have. So this is the track called Parm, which I think is one of the city themes or town themes. It's the original. I think it's the first town in Grandia 1. Right, from Grandia 1. And this is just a lost remix or a lost arrangement. Ooh.
That is the town of. I love that. It is. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I can't just talk over that. It's like the party just like got shut down. Like the cops should have like everybody blow the place. Whoa! Yeah. Put down the trumpet. Put down the trumpet. And that was the town of Parm from the game Grandia. Um, unknown arranger, the original composer Noriyuki Iwadare. So he is a gem. Cool. I love how it starts out straight up Stevie Wonder style. <laughs> it's super funky. It's a good one. I was telling Rob earlier during the track. The only thing that I missed about this one compared to the original was that the original track had like a mechanical, like not mechanical, like an industrial type sound. Yeah, that's kind of yeah. going on in the back, and. I wonder how that would have fit into this remix of it. I don't know. I feel like they traded out some of those like mechanical rhythmic sounds for the funky, the funky drummers and the the, the funky like funky drums. See, I'm starting to think maybe it was arranged by, um, by Noriyuki Iwadare because that bass in that was super funky, and he has a penchant for the funk. Yes, he does. And we got some rain, a lot of rain. I'm not looking forward to going back out in that mess. Well, for more information on the bonus round, go to rhythmandpixels.com. We'll have links to SoundClouds and Bandcamps and everywhere you can go buy music and support the artists. Thanks for joining us on 17-7 of Rhythm and Pixels. Our composer focus of Noriyuki Iwadare. Oh man, this man, this episode was a good time. I like the music. I gotta tell you, you know, Percy Smith is the best composer. <laughs> so many of them. Actually, when I go when I go to edit this show later, I think I'm gonna write them all down. I'm really <laughs> excited. Um, we've listened to like we listened to like over three decades, three decades worth of music from one composer in this episode. It's pretty cool. And honestly, not a not a dud among them. Like. I've, I've enjoyed them all. Like from very, very the, much. It's like the moment I learned about this guy, I, like I said, I originally associated him solely with game arts. So I was mm-hmm. always looking for new game arts titles because I wanted to hear more music like his. And then lo and behold, come to find out, he's been all over the place. Yeah, it's it's really cool hearing the kind of the sounds that he's obviously into, like the kind of like driving beats, the kind of like, what do you call it, like a marching rhythm almost? Yeah. He has a lot of that. Um, like really cool melodies, really funky bass lines. Um, he likes to put in some really neat um, uh, synthesizer sounds. And I noticed in a lot of these songs, there's not like a, there usually isn't like a lot of heavy guitar carrying the melody, but there's always a section where it's like, <laughs> yeah, I love it though. <laughs> like even this track is like, yeah, I was just thinking yeah. that, yeah. Because there's like, even like the other tracks, there's like no guitar, then suddenly like right, right under the bridge, it's like, <laughs> and then it goes I'm like yeah you do it but he's having a clearly this guy is having fun <laughs> I love it um yeah so I hope you enjoyed the program I've enjoyed the program this is a program Pro- program this is a show about music <laughs> this um, is a show about baked goods but if you want to uh say hi to us if you want to send us a message you can always send us an email at rhythm and pixels at hotmail.com um, and there you can um, you can send us like uh, track suggestions or if you would like to send us remixes if you're in a cover band or if you know a band we'd love to hear about it if you want to recommend random games that we play or yeah, stuff like that great. you can definitely send them there or of course there's always Rhythm and Pixels chat if you want to join the Facebook group and yeah. just talk 
random wacky shop there as well. Yeah, or you go um, if you want to get um, access to all of our episodes and, and full track listing from all the episodes, go to the website. Rhythmandpixels.com I'm starting to do a little bit of organization on the website because now we have almost 170 episodes. It's getting wild, man. So I'm trying to figure out a way to make them easily accessible on the website. Did you ever think we'd end up at 170? I don't know, man. I I wasn't even thinking about that at the beginning, (laughs) to be honest with you. It just kind of was like, let's keep going. Yeah. Let's keep going. It's very strange. And it continues to be fun. Yeah, I I have fun every week, right? I agree. I came here feeling like rancid corn. (laughs) And now I feel fun. (laughs) Rancid corn. And I think That's the show does that weekly. It, yeah, yeah. I, I, I hope I hope the listeners, I hope, I hope if you're listening to the show, I hope you feel better at, at the end of the show, too. I, I hope you feel more positive, at least. I love that yeah. sentiment. And if you're not feeling positive, mm-hmm. you want to talk about it, hey, email us that, too. Yeah, we'd like to. We'll talk it out. We'll rap. <laughs> I, like well, I don't know about rap. You might not want those lyrics. I'm hip. Come on. <laughs> He's with it. Well, if you want to support the show, you can hit the subscribe button, or you can just tell your friends about it. That's always helpful. Or you can go to patreon.com slash for the man pixels and there you can support us you know with some money and that's super appreciated as well um also at patreon you get access to our monthly live streams where every episode we re- re- record an uh, we record an episode that will be released but you get to watch us do it live you can participate in the show with the chat and you can also send in um you can criticize our attire yeah. um you can yeah exactly like what is he wearing that for or not wearing that for and then you uh, also you also get access to mixtapes of the new episodes. So just for the last episode that came out, it's just the music. Um, you get access to those as well. Um, we like to thank all of our Patreon subscribers at the end of the show. I like to thank Alex the Messenger. Messenger, I want to thank that Nick Walker. Love that name. Steve Miller, the Autistic Gamer. Cameron Worma. Christopher Senstrom. It's like an action hero, yeah. Rod, Rod Riedel. Damien Beckles. Bobby Arson from the One Up Funk Band. Wicked, Wicked Sephiroth. Sephiroth. Okay, okay, Impala. Kung, Kung Fu, Fu Carlito. From the Heroes 3 Podcast. Henrik Anderson. From, from the Camouflage podcast Michael Bridgewater from the Forever Sound version podcast now you're just going real slow cause you're going real slow that's like we're playing you're moving it Brian Pitt thank you Morton Gangso Chris Murray Jupiter Jazz Soulless Sanctuary John Chico Jingle Schmidt. Joe Vassallo, Chris Steenerson, David Smith. He's an action and hero. David Smith. He's an action man. In basketball. No, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, he doesn't. I don't think I've recorded every time I've sang the word basketball to Pernell. He's like, <laughs> no. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening to the show. Um, yeah. Again, uh, later this week, if you're listening to it when the show comes out, uh, March 28th is our live stream for Patreon subscribers. And we need some sweet, sweet, some sweet beats. So yeah. send them over. Yes. Also, um, the next week or the week after, oh my God, I should probably remember the dates. 
but in April, beginning of April in Washington, D.C., it's going to be me. I think, Pernell, you're going to be there, too, at the um, Library of Congress, where they are going to have a whole bunch of video game music-related um, How about that Friday, panels. right? Yeah, it's a Friday and overnight into Saturday. Ed Wilson from the VG Embassy is going to be there. Uh, Keyglyph from the uh, Sound Test Roulette is going to be there. Brian and Gene from Pixelated Audio are flying over from the West Coast. Um, they're actually going to be giving a talk. So we're all going to be down there hanging out. I think we're going to try to record something. I'm not super sure. Or we might just eat a lot of weird food and then get sick of it. Yeah, we're going to eat and get sick. Actually, that's that's a, that sounds terrible. Yeah, that's we're going to eat. No, 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 no. Leave it in there. But we're going to eat. But <laughs> no food. <laughs> no food. We won't eat. We're going to starve. Anyway, the point is we're going to have a good time. That's yeah, what matters yeah. the most. Well, um, we'll have some more information about that on the Facebook page, and, and we'll talk about it on the next episode because I think it's important. <laughs> I think it's important. Um, they're going to be adding video game music and video games, classic games, into the Library of Congress. Which is amazing. To be, to be preserved, and that's really important. So, anyway, thanks for listening to Rhythm and Pixels. My name is Rob Nichols. And I'm Pernell. Have a great week. And remember, mm-hmm. people are out here... Living their lives, trying, trying to be good, trying to be good. And every once in a while, somebody might come along and kind of take advantage of it or attempt to take advantage of that. Rub you the wrong way, ask for gas money when they don't really need it. You know what I'm going, you know what I'm talking. <laughs> um, and while it may come along to bite you in the butt sometimes and make you feel a little frustrated about what is a man? What is his motivation? What is he trying to do? You got to push past at least to be able to realize that. Every once in a while, there's still going to be that person that truly does need help. Try not to let the seedier folk who aren't really in it for anyone but themselves, don't let those people bring you down and ruin the fact that you at your core is a, are a good person. Let the world continue to see that. Don't, get it, don't let it get stomped down to the muck because that one day when someone does need to see it, it would kind of suck if he weren't there or she weren't there because a worse person beat them down. It's not worth it. Man, that was random, but related.